Chuck and Julie, bringing you the truth straight up. I'm Julie Hagan. I'm working at- an Emmy-winning former investigative reporter, a highly successful trial attorney, and publisher of a major Denver area newspaper. They've been partners as talk show hosts and in marriage as parents for over 10 years, providing thought-provoking information, opinion, and entertainment live, local, and interactive. Everyone's voice is always welcome on the Chuck and Julie Show. Well, hello. Welcome to the day before Election Day, which have a lot of exciting contests tomorrow. Hopefully you'll come out well. This is Chuck Bonneville, Julie Hayden, the Chuck and Julie Grassroots Show, Truth Straight Up. That's right. The show brought to you by Mountain West Wellness, Advanced Acupuncture, and Chinese Medicine. Um, coming up at 3.30, we've got a bunch of people we want to talk about this incredibly successful event over the weekend, the GOP Centennial Dinner with Carrie Lake. We were there. We were there. We were there. We were at the VIP reception, which... Got you a drink for a couple of extra bucks. <laughs> it was a lot of fun, but first wanted to bring back on Robert Spencer with Jihad Watch. Um, you know, Robert, you're I, I re, every time I open up any site, there's like an article by you, and they're kind of putting into perspective what's going on with this Israel Hamas. Well, before that, we Biden. wanted to talk to oh. Robert. Oh, um, Chuck is surprising uh, us here. <laughs> no, I'm not surprising you. I mentioned it to Robert last time he's on. His great article. On why we all need to thank Matt Gates, which I thought was a great article, not just about Matt Gates, and I agreed him totally about that, but really his analysis of the Republican Party, at least um, since the beginning of the 20th century. Um, and so I'll, I'll, I'll just start off, give you my own view of the Republican Party, and, and you can correct me or do whatever else. But it seems to me the Republican Party has had three uh, main prongs, basically two, and now until recently a third one. Uh, the first one is is it kowtows to the rich, um, and I think that really started with William McKinley. Um, he was a rich guy's guy, got huge amounts of contributions. Um, and then the other side, which is the same or less, uh, the progressive side, which is, of course, Teddy Roosevelt. He just took uh, William James Bryant's uh, populism and slightly modified it down. Uh, but he was a big government guy. And the big government guys are are the ones that, you know, they want to use the poor uh, to make them, while pretending to help them, uh, make themselves more powerful and rich. Um, and then there's been one that for the average American, the working class person, whether it's white collar or blue collar. And we've only had until recently two of those. And that was Harding and Coolidge. Hoover was a big government guy. Um, Eisenhower, who beat Taft's son was another uh, smaller government guy. But Eisenhower was just, you know, go along to get along, uh, not change anything. Uh, Goldwater was the first time I think the populist wing arised. Um, and Reagan partially reflected that. And Donald Trump has totally reflected that because he is one. And that's why people love him, because he's one of the few politicians on the Republican side that actually is trying to stand up for the average American. Uh, whether it's through trade policy, immigration policies, and everything else. But that's how I see the kind of Republican world since the beginning of the 20th century. And and how do you see it differently or or similarly? Yeah, I think we pretty much see eye to eye on that, Chuck. And uh, what I was saying about Matt Gates and in connection with all this, or Gates or whatever he is, anyway, uh, (laughs) Eisenhower really is the one who did us in in terms of making the Republicans very much a Me Too kind of reflection of the Democrats, 
letting right. the Democrats set the agenda and just saying, well, we could do it more cheaply, we could do it more efficiently, but not saying we're not going to do it. Right. He's always letting the Democrats say, we're going to do this and going along. He really set the tone for that when he said, when he was first elected, that he was not going to roll back any of the New Deal. Mm-hmm. It was there to stay. And of course, we're still stuck with it. Right. So that's what he did. But what was great about Gates is that he stood up in the populist tradition of Goldwater and Reagan to some degrees, you noted, and Trump, and said, we don't want this anymore. We want a real, a choice, not an echo, as Goldwater <laughs> said. And uh, thus, we're come what may, we're not going to let you just let the Republican Party be the controlled opposition anymore. And so far, it's turned out great. We actually have a Speaker of the House who looks like he presents a real alternative to the Democrats. We'll see how long it lasts. <laughs> well, I, I, after that, I'm always wait, waiting for the betrayal, but... Um, so far, uh, no. So far, so it's far, so good. Yeah, we're going to have, you know, that's, he's held out a record <laughs> amount of time. But we really haven't a, had a speaker in the people's house as represented the speaker, the people, you know, maybe for the first two years of, of um, oh God, what's his name? Um, for the 90s. Gingrich? Yeah, Gingrich. Yeah. First two years, Gingrich was, and after that, he just got his head blown up uh, in two importance. But really, ever since then, we've had just the worst speakers, uh, Republican speakers, worst Republican minority leaders. Uh, if anything could be worse, it's been the majority leader or the Republican uh, minority leader. And, and not one of them has stood for the average person. And they keep on wondering, well, why do the people love Reagan so much? You're kind of like, huh, why wonder why. Trump? Yeah. <laughs> yep. And the same thing for Trump, you know. Uh, people, I think, even after all these years, don't understand what the basis of his appeal is. And they can't figure out, especially now that he's got all these indictments and he's going to go to prison and all this. I think the Democrats and the establishment Republicans expected, well, they'll abandon him then. Yeah. They don't realize that they see him precisely as the champion against that sort of thing, as the champion against the government that has all the power and the people are powerless and they push around the common folk and the common folk have no recourse. Trump is like the symbol of all that. And they still don't get it. And and he's a symbol to all that to the black and brown voters, too. Kind of like, huh, you know, this this deal. Um, No, he isn't just the average um, rich Republican because they're indicting him and they're going to jail him. (laughs) He's a different uh, kettle of fish. Yeah, very much so. And so this is why this doesn't have any effect. Why right. don't see people saying, oh, my goodness, he must be guilty. I mean, the only people who are saying he must be guilty of, of of something and it's so terrible and we have to preserve the Constitution by yes, yes. running again. They were already on the left. They were already sold out to right. the machine. And mm-hmm. so it just reinf- for them, all this just reinforces their presuppositions. And does it do anything? Well, let me kind of bring it around then to what's going on in, in Israel, because as anything, it's always there's so much propaganda out there. You know, there's a, they, they bombed a refugee camp. They bombed a hospital. I guess not. They bombed an ambulance, but it was an ambulance being driven by Hamas. I mean, it's kind of, can you give us, and we got specific questions, but sort of a general with your expertise overview of what, what's going on there now. Yeah. Hamas knows how to play the propaganda game and fight the propaganda war. And all Israel has on its side is the truth, which is far less interesting. Yeah. The, 
uh, as I believe it was Mark Twain, I'm not sure, but somebody said, the lie goes halfway around the world before the truth is finished putting on its shoes. And that's what we have with this. That I'm sure I could go out on the street right now after we're done here and ask 10 people, did Israel bomb a hospital in Gaza? And nine of them yeah. would say, oh, yeah. And they mm -hmm. didn't hear that, okay, it wasn't really bombing by Israel. It was the Palestinian Islamic Jihad rocket that went astray. Didn't really kill 500 people. It only killed 10. And it didn't even really hit the hospital, hit the hospital parking lot. The 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 initial reports get all the attention and get lodged right. in the popular mind. And they know that. That's why they make up these lies and spread them, because they know that the there are going to be a lot of people who will believe that for years to come. What about with the? And I wanted to get your perspective on this with the, the poor Biden administration. You know they've got very bad. I'm saying horrible bad news on polls, right? Um, and I think they're caught between a rock and a hard place here. I mean Biden. On the one hand, I think the average person out there is like, okay, well beheading babies that's bad, right? The the, the Palestinians or the Hamas is not the victim here, and yet Biden has this whole crazed wing of his party that that wants him to insist that Israel have a ceasefire. I mean, how do you, I don't see how he compromises on that or gets himself out of it. And it looks like it's becoming an increasing problem for him. Yeah, he's in, he's in big trouble with this. It's a lot of fun to see. <laughs> <laughs> but unfortunately, the downside is I think it is likely that he will pressure Israel to stop fighting short of having destroyed Hamas. And right. so Hamas will live again to kill more civilians and the whole dreary cycle will repeat yet again. Uh, that's the unfortunate aspect of it. But yeah, he's in big trouble because he owes his his presidency or whatever it is. He owes his figurehead status to the fact that he's got these haters of Israel and supporters of terrorism in his coalition. But now they're calling in the chips. Now they're playing chicken, too, because yeah. who's Sheeta Tlaib going to vote for? Who's Nihad Awad of the Hamas-linked Council on American Islamic Relations going to vote for? The, Donald Trump? They don't have a <laughs> Well, they do have a Cornell West. I mean, I think Cornell West has come out all for them. And, Watch him win. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think he'll take two or three percentage points off of Biden's thing in places like Michigan. Um, I, I think it really that would be interesting. But one thing uh, I, haven't, I haven't seen is any um, uh, pushback in Israel. They have a uh, coalition government or a unity government with Bernie Getz. Um, and it seems that, you know, those uh, pictures of, of the uh, incredible horror that Hamas is saying has had a real effect on Israeli society, which was unbelievably split just a few months ago over, quote unquote, judicial reform. Yeah, well... I, I think the other shoe hasn't dropped on that yet. Okay. That now Israel's in a tremendous crisis because the the scale of the attack, Americans don't realize the scale of the attack was astronomical in mm -hmm. terms of the population of Israel. You're talking about 1,400 people being killed in a nation of about 9 million. Now compare that to 9-11 where 3,000 people were killed in a nation of 300 million. And you can see that the proportion, the percentage of the deaths in Israel is catastrophically higher. It yeah. was a much bigger attack for Israel 
than 9-11 was for the United States. And so they are first dealing with that and trying to get as make as much headway against Hamas they, as they can before the Biden regime stops them. But I think eventually the Netanyahu government is doomed. It's going to fall because they let the ball drop on this. This was a yeah. massive intelligence failure. Any way you slice it, and they're going to have to bear the responsibility for it. And it seems unlikely that Benny Gantz, the who's what now defense minister, or mm-hmm. in any case, he's working with the government. He was the defense minister in the last government, but I don't know what he he's working with the government now. He's the leading opposition figure. I don't see how he has a way forward either, because the Israelis are not going to vote for the left in appeasement after suffering something like that. And so probably it will be a tougher, harder line government than Netanyahu, but we probably won't see it for quite some time because they got to get out of the immediate crisis period first. Well, they also, you know, the the people who have been the peaceniks, if you want to call that, in Israeli society, which there's less and less over the years, but, you know, the the nice music festival, (laughs) they were all at that one. Um, And and they're all at the kibitzes and, you know, they didn't attack the... uh, uh, the uh, religious, hard religious ones. They didn't attack the right wing part of the. They attacked the peaceniks, uh, yeah. and they were the ones who suffered the most. Well, they attacked them not because they were peaceniks. No, they were just there. Their security was low because they were peaceniks. Right, right. exactly. The religious kibbutzes down by the border of Gaza, they had very high security. The jihadis came along and got repelled by the high security. But the leftists in their communities and at the music festival are all about uh, we have to be love and peace, Mm -hmm. love and peace. And this is the price of that. It's there could be a start with and fantasy never pays off against reality. I was going to say, seems there could be a lesson in there. Hmm, what, what did you think of President Obama's remarks? I think it was yesterday or the day before, saying it's a very complicated thing. You know, you yeah, got you, you got the slur over here, but the uh, Palestinians are unbearable circumstances. And even I, Barack Obama, have been thinking, could I have done better? Could I, <laughs> what should I have done other uh, than giving away the entire Mideast to Iran uh, to, to help us along? And those plane loads of gold. Yeah, the plane of gold. Pallets of money. Yeah, I mean, after all, we have to recall that and remember that it was the American taxpayer who financed all this. Because right. Iran funds Hamas as well as Hezbollah and Palestinian Islamic Jihad. And so when we're talking about where the money came from, for the murder of all those Israelis, it was our taxpayer dollars and courtesy of Barack Obama. But Obama's remarks, was it yesterday? They were just pure Marxism, really. Uh, He is in the first place lying about the occupation. There isn't actually any occupation. This is very commonly stated, not just by Marxists, but it is essentially propaganda that the left and jihadis most commonly spread the only government that owns that land by any actual international law is israel there is israel did say they would work toward a palestinian state in gaza and the west bank 
during in the Oslo Accords, but that's has that state has not been established, and so all that land belongs to Israel. And to well, what- Israel doesn't want it. If anybody else really is entitled to it, it's Egypt, and Egypt doesn't want it either. They don't want another two million Palestinians in their country. Well, their border, they closed the border with Gaza. Yeah, right. Yeah. that uh, they know what the Palestinians are all about as well. Well, I was going to say, why is it you'd think that that the international community would be the United Nations rather than just condemning Israel would be saying to some of the other neighboring companies or countries, hey, why don't you guys help out? These, these well, they, are, they already talked about this. <laughs> like, I'm not busy. We're bu- I mean, you know, I mean, by the way, now we're going to blockade them too. What's going on with that? Well, the thing is that they have kept this whole situation alive all these years. After World War II, there were lots of refugees all over the world particularly in Europe and on the Indian subcontinent, because in Europe, the borders were all being adjusted in light of the war. And a lot of Germans were displaced from Poland and from Czechoslovakia and Mm -hmm. elsewhere. And nobody said a word of complaint because the Germans started the war. The Germans caused all this trouble. And now Germany was going to lose territory. And so Germans were made refugees out of Eastern Europe. And they settled in Germany proper, what was left of it. And they have made lives, and nobody complains about. And that. about a million of them died during that during Indeed. that process. And in India, the partition was 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 made between Muslim Pakistan and now Bangladesh and Hindu India, and or at least Hindu majority India. And there was a massive dislocation of populations, a lot of refugees, a lot of people died here again. But the whole Billions. thing ultimately. Billions sorted out, although Pakistan being an Islamic state is still very hostile to India, and there are always tensions. But the point is that everywhere else in the world where there have been refugees, the situation eventually is settled. People settle elsewhere, people are always moving around, and the problem is solved. The only place where this has never been solved is with the Palestinians. The other Arab countries, even though the Palestinians are not any different culturally or linguistically or religiously from or ethnically from the Lebanese or the Syrians or the Jordanians, Lebanon, Syria and Jordan wouldn't get, make them allow them to be citizens. They wanted to keep them as stateless refugees yes. as a stick to beat Israel with. Right. Well, and- they forgot about that in the case of Jordan and Lebanon. And they got a big inflow of flow of Palestinians. They quickly realized that was a mistake. Yeah, Jordan actually did allow them, and then changed its mind and reversed the um, the the all UN also. You know that um, if you're a refugee, then you're you are a refugee. But your children, wherever they're born, are not refugees. Yeah. But if you're Palestinian, right? Then your children your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, they're all refugees. Mm -hmm. And so there used to be a few hundred thousand refugees out of Israel who did not get kicked out, by the way. They left voluntarily. The Arab League told them to leave in 1948 because they figured they were going to destroy Israel and then they could come back. But anyway, now most of those people have died. And there's just a small number of people who were alive in 1948 who were refugees from Israel. But there are 7 million Palestinian refugees in the world because all their children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren, wherever they are in the world, are Palestinian refugees, so that there's always this pressure on Israel. Right. And so, yeah, even if they're going to school at UCLA or Stanford, they're still a Palestinian refugee. Well, let me switch a little bit because the one person who was really not 
liking this, maybe as much as Joe Biden, is Zelensky. He's upset because now everybody's paying attention to Israel and the Palestinians. And he's like, well, what about me? And they're like, now they're talking about how do you and now we're at this stalemate all of a sudden they're talking about well if it is a stalemate you know nbc is saying and somebody's leaking it to them that that well maybe we need to rethink this whole ukraine thing what's what's going on there well you know i believe we've discussed before how ukraine seems to be a massive corruption yeah uh, center it's a money laundering seems to be going on we may never know the truth because if it if it is going on the people in power are the ones who are gaining from it and right. so we had this curious case of ftx and sam bankman free right. supposed to be giving money to democrat politicians and then receiving money from ukraine while the democrat politicians were sending money to ukraine yeah, <laughs> right. you had this circle and the ukrainian government said oh no 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 that's not happening and of course we can trust them and old joe biden and his regime said no 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 that's not happening. no, no that's not happening well yeah. I sort of hate to be the last honest person in the Ukraine. (laughs) I mean, if you were an honest person in Ukraine, you'd feel like such a smuck, you know? Yeah. And so you got to think that he's upset, Zelensky, that now instead of pouring money into his coffers, there's actually a real war that some Americans are in favor of aiding our ally in regard to. And so he stands to lose. But the whole thing was corrupt from the beginning and we've talked about how it's highly suspect and so i think the less money to ukraine at this point the better and i think they're pushing but i think people are losing are losing interest. well what, what do you see i mean I, i'm i'm a little uh, unsure i mean mcconnell and schumer all agree Lindsay about Graham. one one big 106 billion dollar package um uh, but they keep on saying we're going to have it any day now and it doesn't seem <laughs> to be any day now yeah there's a lot more pushback than there used to be yeah. And a lot of people are waking up and seeing, hey, this is a big gravy train for certain people. But there doesn't ever seem to be any actual benefit for the Ukrainian military, which is not winning. And right. uh, Zelensky is an increasingly suspect figure. And so the dissatisfaction is growing. And I think that's why you see the delay. And it may not happen at all. And one of the big things that the new Speaker of the House uh the what's it, mike johnson, johnson. uh-huh this guy nobody ever heard of and he suddenly he's the speaker of the house and he actually looks good it's yeah. kind of amazing and he one of the first things he did was push for the delinking of aid to ukraine and aid to israel which biden had put together right. probably just to preserve his ukraine scam well let me just a couple more questions well, well, but oh. just about, about that i mean if ukraine if if it doesn't come in the next six months yeah. Uh, the, the war is over. Uh, I mean, the whole society, from their pensions to their first responders to all the graft and corruption, I mean, six months without any U.S. Uh, largesse, and that war is over. Sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> what should then, just a final question for you, what should here in the next couple of weeks, then you think, back to Israel, what should people be kind of keeping their eyes open for or watch for in order to kind of figure out how things may be going? Well, Joe's in big trouble. He's got to call for a ceasefire. And so probably within the next couple of weeks, he will do so. Otherwise, he risks his coalition falling apart. And the Democrats at a big disadvantage in 24, aside from all their cheating. And yeah. so- <laughs> 
he's gonna he's going to put pressure on Israel. He's not on their side already. He's made that very clear when he went over to Israel, talked to Netanyahu, says how much he supports Israel. Oh, and by the way, I'm giving a hundred million dollars to Gaza. Yeah, right. he's going to Hamas. Right. There's nobody else in Gaza who can get it or prevent it from going to Hamas. Right. And so it's an incredible insult. It would be like FDR going over in the middle of World War II to see Churchill and standing there in front of church or sitting there in front of Churchill and saying, uh, oh, by the way, I'm sending $100 million to Hitler. It, yeah. it, well, Hunter, it's the firebombing of Dresden. We got to help those poor people out. I mean, come on. We, <laughs> we got to send $100 million and it'll go right to the people of Dresden. Yeah, they'll be able to prevent it from falling into the hands of the Nazis. <laughs> right. So the Nazis run everything, control everything, but somehow... Joe Biden knows how to keep the money out of the hands of Hamas. It's a lot of <laughs> he was really just showing he was signaling to Rashida Tlaib and Ilhan Omar and all the rest of them. See, I'm really on your side. Yeah. So upset, but it hasn't placated them. All right. All right. Well, Robert, thank you. We as, appreciate as you. Yeah, I appreciate all of your insight. Um, all right. And Jihad Watch, I always want to recommend people right. to go there, too. All right, sir. Thank you for your time. We'll talk to you again soon. Take hey, care. So- all right. Bye-bye. Robert Spencer there with Jihad Watch. Um, my, one of my favorites. Yeah, he's, he's, yes, he's good. Um, speaking of favorite, um, so we were at, over the, I'm switching gears here a little bit. We're going to talk about the Trump trial. We're going to talk about the poll, all of that stuff. But I just want to congratulate the Colorado Republican Party, Dave Williams, Hope Shuffleman, Anna Ferguson, Tom Bjorkman, Liz Temple. I mean, that was a great event, the the Centennial Dinner it up was. in Loveland with Carrie Lake, Lauren Boebert spoke. I mean, the place was packed. There was this energy there. I, I've said before, I've gone to a lot of Republican events and most of them resemble a morgue. Right. You know, it's God's waiting room. And that that one, while it wasn't a youth festival, it still they had there. We, we were there to you know, the up the age. Um but it, it was it just had an energy and it was just great. And I think I see Anna Ferguson, who was the secretary of the Colorado Republican Party, uh and she got on, she didn't know I'm like, Anna, now we can bring you on and talk to you about this. And if you want to go ahead, if you're there and go ahead and unmute yourself. Um, and Peg, you were there too. We sat at the same table with Peg. Um, and you can unmute yourself too. Maybe I caught Anna by surprise. Um, I'm here. Okay, perfect. Okay. So, so number one, just congratulations. I mean, from a, just an attendee, I thought that everything was, was great. Even the food was okay. <laughs> Thank you. I am so glad you guys enjoyed it. I, you know, it was, I think it was a success. I really do. I, I didn't, um, I didn't know what to expect. I've never been to them, but I thought that this this was a really successful event. I heard from many people who have been to others that there was a different atmosphere at this one, that it was just uh, a different feeling among all the people that were there. It, it just, I thought it was fantastic. I've I've been to a few and it really was the most fun one I've ever been to. And it did have an energy to it and a youthful vitality um, uh, to it. And it just seemed everybody was... You know, it 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 was, I guess, the meeting of the faithful because I didn't see a lot of rhinos. I know <laughs> didn't show up, yeah. uh, and and they weren't missed to tell you the truth. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> well, and 
I would like you just to, to, and then we'll bring Peg up to talk about that for a bit because nor, I mean, this it's to me, it was very reminiscent, only even bigger than when Marjorie Taylor Greene came to town, right? And all the rhinos she down there, down to Pueblo. well, to Pueblo, no, no, the Pueblo Springs. Springs, and all the rhinos in El Paso County tried to hold a counter event mm-hmm. and tried to make sure no one would go. And instead, it was standing room only. People were trying to sneak in. I mean, it was it was great. Um, and that's what they were saying here, too. People were like, oh, Carrie Lake, who wants to hear Carrie Lake? No one wants to hear Carrie Lake, election denier blah 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 and she stood up there she didn't back down one inch neither did lauren bobert i mean and the colorado republican party hasn't either um i just think there is this growing and i'm going to call it grassroots energy and influence and i think saturday night was a perfect example of that i mean what do you guys think 100 percent. and uh like like carrie even said we are the majority yes uh, you know, no matter, I mean, even though, you know, the, the rhinos have control of most of the media and they put out things that just aren't true. Mm-hmm. Um, and I haven't seen if there's been any feedback about the event yet. I mean, I'm still kind of recouping from the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but we are the majority. There's no doubt. There is no doubt in my mind. And, um, you know, I think Carrie Lake was was fantastic. Yes. Well, well, there has been some publicity on the straw poll that you all did, which uh, I think DC Examiner did a whole story on the event. Straw poll, the presidential uh, candidate. Uh, which 87% for Trump, six for DeSantis. And, yeah, 87%. Um, what does that tell you? You know, yeah. I mean. <laughs> well, it's like Dick Wadham says, Colorados hate Trump. And, uh, <laughs> it's just, it's not true. Uh-huh. <laughs> Well, and I would say, you know, the establishment kind of rhino, they can they can take their ball and go play with the four of them over here anymore, right? Forever, they've been telling us, so we have to go to their boring events and things like that. And, you know, and then we got to, you know, we have to support them. And then they don't turn around and support us. But I think what Saturday night showed is we, we don't need them anymore. There is not so at all. Much- not go at ahead. all. So long to the rhinos. Uh, you know what? <laughs> Good riddance. Uh <laughs> I'm sick and tired of saying that we have to just bow down to them and 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 get along and everything. They don't play with us. You know what I'm saying? They don't want to. We have to do it their way or, or no way. So right. it's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. Let me bring up Peg Cage. Peg Cage was my Colorado GOP.org. We got to sit at the table with Peg, uh, with Peg and her husband frozen. and Don, as, along with the McBrides. Um, and I mean, and oh, I sat next to Victoria, Victoria Lundquist. Yep. So Peg, what was your your take on the event? I thought it was wonderful. It was so good to see everybody in a winning spirit this time. Uh, we've got we've got a lot going on that ha- wouldn't have happened had we not gotten Dave or a good candidate, you know, elected as the chairman. As Chuck has always said, it, it depends on who we get as chairman. If we're going to be successful or not. And we got a good chairman and we got a great secretary. (laughs) And and we're really happy. Oh, yeah. You know, we love you. So we had a we had a great time. And you know what? We made so many reconnections there. We've worked so hard together for so long. It was good just to sit down or stand in the aisles. There was um there was enough going on on the stage to keep it interesting and yet there was enough downtime where we were able to talk with our friends and that was really good. All those connections that we made 
in the aisles you don't make during COVID and during Zoom calls. Right. You know? yeah. No. Right. And that, that's a good point, Peg, because I know that was, but, you know, normally I have to admit, I kind of like dread these things and I'm kind of like saying, oh, Rev, you know, because he'll be 24 and I'll be like, I have to go home for Rev. But I found myself, I mean, it was fun. It was just fun. And we didn't leave early or anything like that. And it was, it was connecting with people. And, um, you know, I just... I, I think that if that energy in that room, and this is just one dinner, and Anna, let me ask you this. I mean, if it's indicative of what's going on around the country, I mean, I think this is going to be this is be one heck of an election cycle, I think, for us. Well, I would like to see the um, election deniers mm-hmm. a little more powerful. Yeah, I, I am an election denier. We have not had an honest election for a couple of decades. I'm ready for that to turn around. And I think that the the, the tide is moving that way. I think that we can make that happen, hopefully before 2024, where we don't go into it with, with all of the uh, problems that we've had in the last elections. But, you know, it wouldn't have happened had we not gotten the leadership that we got in the party. So... Right. Everybody send money to the GOP. Yeah, that's really a good point. I mean, okay, send 10, 15, 20 bucks a month. I mean, the only way we're going to gonna say permanently goodbye to, to the donor class is to make yeah. ourselves the donor class to the extent of our abilities. Leo yeah. asked Chuck and Julie, does Carrie Lake look like she might be a good um, VP for Trump? She'd be a great VP. So. Anna had to meet her. So I got to, you meet, her. to meet her too. But Anna, what do you think of that? What? Did I surprise her? I think so. Oh, maybe not. Okay. I'm sorry. I I'm sorry, Julie. I got another call at the same time. I didn't hear the question. <laughs> I was gonna say just that some of our listeners want to know if you if we think that Carrie Lake would be a good VP for Trump. One hundred percent. After I met her uh, this weekend, I think I think that she would be. Yes. Okay. Hey, listen, we will let you go. I know that you're busy. Um, Peg, we'll let you pop back off too. Um, you guys, thank you. And Anna, really, yeah, I mean, great job. Great job there. We'll be at the next one for sure. So thank you. Thank you so much, guys. I appreciate it. You bet. Well, and then so speaking. The one I love is Liz Temple. Now, Liz Temple um, is officially listed along with the elected officer stuff, and she's listed as assistant secretary. There's no such position as assistant secretary, but she's done so yes, much there work. Is, if you look in the well, bottom there, there is now. She's the first one ever listed because she does so much great work. She's so great. Everybody. I is told so, you. Uh, yes, you did. I, at first, I was a little uh, hesitant about her when she wasn't going for the opt out with initial fervor that I would appreciate. But I totally changed my mind, and she's great. I told you 100%. Couldn't have done it without her. That's right. Thanks, All right. guys. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Thank you. But speaking of winning, it's kind of, and not backing down. It's kind of interesting. So Trump, so uh, now update on the Colorado 14th Amendment trial. So what's going on this week? And I think today the lawyers from both sides, because it's a trial to a judge present sort of their legal, what they think happened, right? And what they think the ruling should be. The judge on November 15th will hold closing arguments. And then at the end of that, that sort of sets up a 48 hour window where she'll have to issue her ruling. 
which she's will then of course which she's already which she wrote yeah well well no the lawfare people david brock and all those yeah, people they, yeah yeah they already wrote it for her um so they're just gonna be emailing it to her um but but anyway so that's going on um and it's interesting trump testified today in the fraud true. the fraud of a fraud trial going on in new york and he and the judge i mean they didn't back down no and neither does attorney and the, the judge has been crooked from the beginning yeah he kept telling and his clerk kept saying stuff to trump like you know i don't i don't want to hear the lawyer you know i don't want to hear what you have to say yeah, like, right. a, what's the trial for then <laughs> it was just hilarious and his attorney came out and oh, blasted him. i mean nobody seems to be particularly worried about you know the the, the first amendment unconstitutional gag order that he's placed on a bit of we could well he, he, to say he was fair so i don't mind you criticizing me you go okay yeah <laughs> Criticizing his clerk, he was making it sound like the clerk. The poor little clerk. Yeah. No, this was this was a law clerk, right? This is somebody who knew, yeah, who knows more about the law than the judge does. Who was handing him notes about the whole thing, telling him what What to to do. do. Who had illegally donated to more Democrats than she could donate to with more money. So it wasn't like Trump was, you know, some some I don't know what. Yeah, little guy over here. Yeah, the intern. So, but but anyway, he's a lawyer. Um, Alina Habit did not back down and i'm going to play a little bit of what she had to say because when she tried to stand up for trump which is what lawyers do that's, right that's, that's their job. What you pay, they pay you for it. and the judge told her she couldn't um so if we could please play the trump lawyer soundbite thomas you have a right to hire a lawyer who can stand up and say something when they see something wrong but i was told to sit down today i was yelled at And I've had a judge who is unhinged slamming a table. Let me be very clear. I don't tolerate that in my life. I'm not going to tolerate it here. And you know what? You shouldn't either. You know, we shouldn't either. And and Trump, you know, called um, the attorney general who is prosecuting him for this fraud that's not a fraud, a political hack. Um, I mean, it's just been, I, I, there's a reason that the, this judge did not allow cameras in the courtroom. Oh, right? yeah. They didn't want people to hear You're what right. Trump had to say. Yeah. Now, again, I, I kind of like the Denver case. I doubt that the judges have already decided what they're going to do, right? But Well, that judge... <laughs> It, it's foolish, though, because it's give, it is giving Trump. The judge kept saying, this is not political. This isn't a case. It's like, are you kidding me? You know, it's working. We talked a little bit last week about one of the anti-Trump groups, the Club for Growth. They were trying to do some ads. So they they tested them, uh, you know, to see what how, what people before they ran them, which they never did run. And they tested them and they were talking about all of the, the legal troubles that Trump is in. Right. And it backfired totally. Yeah. People ended up supporting him more like, I didn't know that. I even like him better now. Um, So none of it is is working. And now we have over the past few days, this New York Times poll that shows Trump up significantly in swing states. And not only that, and I'll let you because you're the poll analyst, but not only does it show Trump up, but the areas that Biden is having trouble with are really not things he can correct, right? Yeah, like being mentally incompetent. Right. Um, very hard to correct. Adderall goes just so far. <laughs> um, and it's, it's, it's a poll. It's clearly... Um, a kind of poll, New York, Siena, or New York Times, because they had a follow up with an article by Axelrod saying, you know, uh, Biden should uh, back out. out. Um, and no. so obviously, and, and they also um, indicated that any other 
uh, person uh, would do great against uh, Biden if it wasn't just Trump. So there are a lot of things that made it kind of a... But you mean but any other Democrat could beat Trump, that, that Biden himself is the problem here. Right. Right. And that any other person other than Trump would do much better. So it's a kind okay. of a... So it's a very political poll, but nonetheless, I mean, CBS came out uh, at the same time saying uh, Trump is leading by three, 51 to 48. Um, he never did that in 2020. He never was ahead. Um, so it's it's all great signs, really. Uh, well, and what, some of the things I think that really, um, I think to me were interesting about it is, again, it, it's stuff that Biden really can't do anything about, like his competency. That apparently is like a huge issue mm-hmm. for all kinds of, from just about everybody, right? Nobody thinks he's competent. But they asked, but another poll, I think it was a CBS poll said, who do you think would be better to bring us peace and prosperity? Right. And overwhelmingly- Assuming they, you're for that. Yeah, yeah, overwhelmingly, they said Trump. Right. And and you look at the economy and that's one of the things that people were all saying, not only were they not only was the economy a problem, but that they had personally been hurt, um, negatively impacted, hurt, I think was a word that was used by Biden's economic policies And his COVID policies. And his, one, one out of four knew somebody died because of it. And that's crazy. Right. When, what exactly one out of four people in a different survey, this is a Rasmussen survey, said they believe they knew somebody who died as a result of the COVID vaccine. So these are the kind of things. I mean, people are unplugging from the matrix, right? They're taking yes, the red yes, pill. Yes. And once that happens, if you've seen the movie, you know, it's really hard to get plugged back in. And I think the economy is a key thing because, you know, you might have people who like, they don't really care about the Trump legal stuff. They don't care about the election stuff, but they do care about the economy. Well, and most people, certainly people living in urban areas care about the incredible crime that has just right. shot up all over the place. I mean, you, there's, you know, they keep on, if, if you read real clear politics, what they do is they present an article from both sides really on, right. on a lot of topic, topics, but, but it's just, unbelievable um the amount of people that are kind of going you know we're not putting up with this and it's all because of you joe or at least you know your soros elected da's and so and even no matter what they well i guess if you were to like allow drilling and things like that again and get rid of all the requirements about the electric vehicles but even those are looking ridiculous right i mean most of the solar energy stuff is in like foreclosure i mean they blew off in new jersey the dutch firm said no we're not gonna right i mean none of their things are working and people are starting to see it now we do have as peg always talks about the whole issue of election integrity so maybe they're not worried um but i think they should be and um which is another thing this New York Times poll did for him. Look, guys, you can't just cheat a little. We've got to do <laughs> yeah, major cheating in these six states. That's what they're telling. They're printing out ballots as we speak, and yeah. they're pulling them out right now. And, and they don't even care. Well, here's the thing. What's depressing about that is um, we were talking to somebody, Dick Morris, who said he doesn't think they can raise the, the, the level of cheating would have to be so high they couldn't do it. Don't I'm like, believe that yeah, don't, don't Republicans, exactly. Because who's going to prosecute it, right? If you could prove like, wait, double the number of people voted in the election that live in the United States. That that well, how many more votes it? did he bring in other than Obama, who was popular? Right. Uh, he brought in something like 10 million more. I mean, right. it's just ridiculous. So they do have a dilemma. I, and I think you're right. You're like, why is the New York Times releasing this? Yeah, they want to get rid of Biden. But the problem is who? So if we could, which is ABC noted, if we could please play the ABC poll soundbite, Thomas. 
this is probably going to lead to a lot of Democrats increasing the chatter that Joe Biden should step aside and, and, and make room for another Democrat. And I think the problem that Democrats have is they don't know who that Democrat would be right now. I don't think that uh, people look at Kamala Harris and feel like she is ready to take that step forward. They look across the rest of the party, governors, senators, mayors, House members, and they're struggling to figure out who they could put up if it's not Joe Biden. And so I think the reality is Democrats are probably going to run Joe Biden. I don't no. see how they can't. I mean, I think this I, I is think all. Gavin Newsom's waiting in the wings. Right. If not, Michelle Obama. I give up. Ted Cruz keeps saying Michelle Obama. Um, let's can, see. Can I, hi, can oh. I interrupt for a minute? It's Jacob again. Sure, of course, Jacob, always. Go hi. Ahead. So about three months ago, the Upper West Side and the Upper East Side of Manhattan wrote a letter. The voters did, wrote a letter to the Mayor Adams to go to Washington and see if they can stop this immigration problem. And we all know what happened last week with uh, Mayor Mayor Adams, that he was he had to go back to New York because of his uh, assistant or whatever. Right. I I'm going to bet now, unless things change, I'm going to bet now that the the Democrats in New York are going to stay home. They're not going to vote for Biden. They definitely won't vote for Trump, but they won't vote for Biden and possibly. And I hope Barney's listening. I'm going to bet that New York goes to Trump. Wow. I'll bet, huh? you on that. I'll bet you on that one. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm from, I, you know, I lived in the Upper East Side, um, yeah. which used to be the silk stocking Republican district, yeah. and now it's as Democrat as the West Side. Um, and so I'll, I'll, I'll bet you a Diet Coke on that one. <laughs> but I think okay. you, know, you have a good point, and that is another reason. But these polls show, even if you're a Democrat, right? I mean, and, and people, I think, if you're a Democrat, I think you're just not enthusiastic to go out there and vote. Now, again, one could argue that that doesn't matter to Democrats because they just will vote for you. Mm-hmm. But but I think that, you know, the lack of enthusiasm, I think, is bad for them. I think the fact that Republicans... Well, that, that's but, about harvesting gets rid of my worries about enthusiasm. But, but it, the, the Republicans, even those who I think are maybe not your giant Trump supporters, are pissed, right, about what's going on with Trump and what's going on everywhere else. And I also think that a lot of times you just get people who don't pay a ton of attention and they just think, well, you know what? I'm worse off now than I was before. So I'm just going to change. Anything's got to be better than what we have now. So, you know, I think the Democrats are starting to sound the alarm and you could be right. You know, I mean, yeah. about what's going on in New York. Okay. All right. Bye. All right. Hey, thank, thank you. Jacob. Jacob. Thank you. Um, one other thing I wanted to briefly talk about today, we've got a few minutes left. Um, the Stephen Crowder, um, somehow, Louder with Crowder got his hands on some of the pages from the um, the manifesto, the manifesto of the trans shooter Audrey Hale, who killed six people, three of them kids, targeted a Christian um, school, right? And according to the manifesto notes, and here's the thing, I can tell you, this is a reporter thing. The the, the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation is saying we're not, you know, we're neither going to confirm or deny. Mm-hmm. It's basically what they're saying, which is a confirmation, yeah, right? Exactly. Because if it were not the real thing, they would have said, right. no, that's not the real thing. And they're trying to say, well, that's not the whole manifesto. Well, they didn't say it was. <laughs> but, but it's like, but what they wrote. Portions of the manifesto. Well, it was portions of the manifesto. And in this manifesto, Audrey um, you know, made it very clear that she targeted that school because the kids were white. And because they were Christian, very specifically said that over and over and over again um, and used derogatory terms. And so I'm like crackers, crackers and worse than that. So where's the, the Department of Je- where's the Department of Justice in this? Right. This to me. Oh, they're right like, on it, Julie. Are you, you know, kidding me? They're there. They are our only line against yeah, chaos. Yeah, yeah, right. I mean, and it's you want to say they talk about how Trump 
cites insurrection, all of the stuff that the teachers are throwing in the kids' school, this critical race theory, um, this anti-Christian stuff, you Again, you have people, I'm sure that this young person was disturbed. I mean, I think no doubt about that. But you have a disturbed person and you feed them this kind of information and you feed them this kind of language. And, and it's it's exactly what they accuse the right of doing or conservatives of doing. And they're the ones doing it. And what do they do when it comes out is they hide it. I mean, right. that's the reason the manifesto hasn't been released forever, don't you think? Well, yeah, they don't want, you know, you, you can only have one kind of uh, mass killer and that that is the right-wing Trump supporter. Right. Um, and it's got to be a racist. It's got to be everything else. And so they cower. And oh, this isn't politically correct. And so it's so sad that you got the Tennessee State Patrol or whoever it is go, oh, we can't let people know this. Well, no. Well, and I didn't know if it's them. I mean, somebody... It is. Did, it was. I, well, I think it's the FBI who's refusing to... Well, but they're the ones that ostensibly have it. So they're the ostensible gatekeeper, although, you know, the FBI has probably got the kids in the basement. Well, yeah. Them. And, 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 and I guess, and their explanation is, well, look, this Audrey House, she hated everyone. Yeah. She hated Don't everyone. worry about it, folks. The, the, the targeting white Christian children... That, we all do that. that. That You know, I mean... You know, the FBI's got the ovens going. It's Hamas Journal for the Christians. You know, they hate those Catholics who who like the Latin mass. You know, they're all dangerous. Oh, that's right. And parents, too. Yeah. We had parents there. Okay. Yeah. And then finally, and we will, on, on Wednesday, we'll um, recap some of the election stuff. And why don't you give your brief thing? Because this is, how do I, Chuck loves to follow these kind of things, yes. right? And so, and you can read the results, read the tea leaves, although these are big tea leaves. So what's, what? do you think is going to be happening? Well, what should got, people watch for? They you, put it you've that got way. two races, one in Mississippi, where a Democrat has the first chance in 40 years of being elected. Elvis Presley's second cousin is reading. There was a poll out showing only had one point, but I wouldn't believe that one because it's the PPP, which is a Democratic one. Others show him ahead by 10 or 11. So mm-hmm. I think Reeves will win that one. The other truly close one is in Kentucky, you have a black Republican who's the AG Cameron uh, versus a pretty popular uh, Democratic one, Bashir. Uh, it's be interesting to see if if uh, Bashir can overcome having the Biden Democratic label on him. The others, Virginia, uh, Youngkin is going all out to get a majority in the House and the Senate. That'll be tough. The Democrats would say he's disillusional. Um, I don't know. So if if the Republicans could have a great night if they, they took all three of those kind of swing ones and would in, indicate great things for um, come next year. Right. Um, and here and there's, an, there's an abortion in Ohio, uh, one out in Ohio um, that the Democrats want badly to be passed. So that's another interesting one. But, right. And well, and here in Colorado, Prop HH, right. It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see what happens with that. I mean, um, I, I think right now what they have working against them is people are like in the mood right now to vote. No. I think, right? It's like if it's a yeah. confusing ballot thing, which is always Chuck's default vote, it's like just vote no. Just so vote no. We'll be keeping an eye on all of that. Um, in the meantime, I want to thank Robert Spencer from Jihad Watch, Anna and Peg, and once again, the Colorado Republican Party for doing Good so- job. Yeah, Good for- job, everybody. All right. And we will see you all on Wednesday. Bye bye.